to Tea Time with Tea. I'm your host, Teresa, and today we have Dave Idell on the show. Welcome, Dave. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh. So we're going to get into this. Um, a little bit about Dave, guys. He's the CEO of a company called Croissant. Dave, tell us a little bit about Croissant. So Croissant, uh, it's spelled just like the food croissant, and it, what we are, we're basically an app that gives freelancers, small teams, startups, consultants, anyone, anyone who works on a laptop, um, whether they're working for themselves or for a big company, that basically needs a place to go to do work um, in their city when they're on the go, whether they need a, a quick place to jump into to, to get some work done to prepare for their meeting or a place to actually hold a meeting with a guest, or they're just working from home most of the time and they want to get out of the house. We have uh, tons of, of workspaces all around the city that they can choose from to hop into with the app. Very cool. Super cool. Um, Dave is also, he's a programmer. He came up with this app alongside his girlfriend, Nisha. That's correct. A very cool girl who's also going to be on the show next. And he graduated from SUNY Albany in computer science. That's right. Very nice. Dave. Tell me a little bit. How did you get into computer science? Poof. That goes way back to, I must have been like nine years old when uh, the old man, he, uh, he taught me basic programming language. Or he gave me a book which taught me it. And, you know, he, he made sure I was, I was learning something. And uh, I got into it. So I, I really enjoyed uh, making it say different colors and hello world and all that stuff on, on this little uh, old... Uh, PC Junior. It's this old, uh, you know, like DOS-based uh, personal computer from the 1980s that we had running in the family household. Very cool. And uh, I just dived into that. And and you actually really enjoy computer science from such a young age. Like, oh, this is cool. Like, I don't want to go outside and play. I want to stay inside exactly. and code. Exactly. All the other kids were outside. I was in... I mean, I, I didn't do too much time coding. I mean, it was like a more of a side thing, but, you know, I, I was a, a very studious person overall as a young lad. <laughs> very nice. Very cool. So then, all right, so then you went on to SUNY Albany. You majored in computer science. Do you think your dad, like, influenced that decision of picking computer science as a major? Um, yeah, I mean, he influenced my uh, upbringing in terms of, I kind of, I kind of had a um, affinity for technical things, because I mean he was an engineer or he is an engineer. Uh, I mean he he retired. Um, He's retired now. Yeah, yeah. But I mean yeah. he, he worked for a very long time as an engineer. I, I kind of like the idea of going that route as well. I've always been interested in in techie stuff, and uh, I went into college as a physics major with the intention of kind of going into an engineering field. And it, it wasn't until I got to college that I decided to kind of tack on comp sci because I just had. It, it, going into college is more of a side thing. I didn't take it seriously, but then I decided to take it more seriously when I got to college. Nice. Yeah. What made you? What made the the shift huh. of like starting to take it serious? Like, you know what? I'm going to take this seriously. And, and part of it was just like I I had such an affinity for it, and so I did really well in those courses, and it, it made me like excited to to do really well in in school. Um, and it was fun to do, much more fun than physics problems all day. Um, I think, yeah, most people would probably agree with that. I, I mean, yeah, comparing physics to comp sci, I just saw comp sci as way more fun. So I just dived into it. 
Did you ever try to like influence any of your other friends to get into computer science? Uh, no. No, you were just, <laughs> it was just like, like I, this you is fun. I want to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, our our physics class was very small. I mean, I, I would say, but a lot of the physics students were also into comp sci. It's just a matter of were they willing to add it on as in their major. Only, only, I think only a few of us were willing to do that. Just how, how driven we were is kind of the deciding factor there. I just feel like computer science is so popular right now. Um, but you started college in what year again? 2004. 2004. Yep. So to like start college in 2004 when computer science wasn't as popularized. It was popular. Say. It was popular? It was popular. Did, okay. In fact, when I got to college in 2004, or maybe it's like 2005, some, one of the professors was saying... Oh, like it's kind of gone down the enrollment in computer science. In fact, it used to be more popular in like 1999, 2000 because of the dot com boom. And by the time I got to college, it had all subsided. So it's actually very small, the class of incoming comp sci students. Can you tell us a little bit about the dot com boom for like listeners? I mean, that was, that was before my time, really. Yeah, but I it, think it, before it, my time too. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. essentially people like pets.com and, and like the first wave of dot coms came into play and you know a lot of companies are popping up um and they kind of got overfunded um as far as i mean i don't know the full like exactly how i, I mean i don't know i'm not like an economist i don't know <laughs> but uh yeah i mean they, they eventually guys. got uh, inflated a lot of these companies and they crashed and burned in 2000 2001 and uh so that kind of you know shook there was a big shakeout and as a mini recession right there so right how how did you do after the recession after graduating from college for yourself yes yeah, so I, I did yeah i did have a job right out of college as a programmer it was more it was a consultant role where i was doing programming projects for clients uh for a large consulting corporation um it's called csc but uh yeah, I mean, I was, I was essentially laid off because they didn't have any projects a few months after. It was like early 2009, like in the height of the recession. They weren't, uh, you know, they weren't able to get projects uh, for our office. So I was let go of that. And then I went off on my own for a while. Did that make you scared at all? Like, damn, maybe I should have went to school to be a lawyer or a doctor or majored in something mm. else? No, no, I, I always, you know, I always figured I'd find something else or do something else that was interesting. I, that's why I like comp sci so much going into college. I knew right away, like there's so much I could do with this. It doesn't matter what industry I'm in or whether I'm doing one job or the other. Like it was pretty clear, like you could do anything with it. So I was surprised more people didn't do it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like in my generation, I don't often hear anyone saying like, oh, I mean, until now, recently, where people are starting to pick up like computer science and starting to use YouTube to learn like programming languages and stuff like that. But no one never really wanted um, going into college. They're like, I'm going to go to college to be a teacher or I'm going to go to college to get a biomed degree and then go on to being a doctor. So I haven't really heard of anyone doing computer science. So it's cool. Can you walk us through a little bit? of your lifestyle oh my lifestyle is absolutely absurd right now um i mean i, I work pretty much 24 7 on on the company on croissant so lots of going on we're doing lots of things we're a very small team trying to do a million different things 
um, trying to grow the company, trying to iterate on the product, trying to give good service to our customers, to our partners, um, trying to have strong fun business fundamentals throughout all of that. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a full-time job for sure. So my life, my lifestyle basically revolves around that. Um, but you know, I do try to sneak in the occasional travel and, um, working remotely. Um, in fact, I, I like to work remotely more than working in my own city. Like I like to work from other cities or, um, or for traveling to other countries, like that's always like, preferable, you know, in a lot of ways, because, or at least it's a nice, I like to change things up, I guess you could say, I like to change up my environment. Um, yeah, not just within my own city, but going to different cities, trying out co-working spaces, trying out different coffee shops. Um, I'm always like on the move. So that's kind of like the lifestyle lately, the past few years. Do you have like a favorite location that you have worked out of, like in state or out of state? <clears throat> uh, I mean, it depends what mood I'm in. Like, I mean, I had a lot of fun, like last year, for example, basically working on the beach. Like I was kind of like living the entrepreneur dream uh, because we got this spot in uh, like an Airbnb in Croatia on this beach that had these coffee shops where you could just like sit there on your laptop and do your work at those shops on the beach and like get like cappuccinos for like a buck. It was That's just like a amazing. good setup. It was a good setup for a while. And but in like in New York there's some cool spots too when I'm here in New York. Um like my new favorite space to go is World Trade Center and I go to our partner space there. Uh, it's got a nice view. It's a, it's a nice interior building. It's got nice amenities. Um and there's some other like cool spots around the city that are that are good too. Very cool. Could could we go back a little bit before croissant? Did you work on any projects or what were you doing pre-croissants? I did a bunch of different things. So um, I guess I should say going back to the recession um, is right before I lost that job that me and some friends were working on a uh, building a hedge fund, basically. And um, when I lost that job, I went to work on that idea full time. And you know, we got pretty far with it. We raised some money. Um, but in the end, we kind of ended up even on our venture we kind of like broke even on our trading and stuff like that. So, um, it wasn't really going anywhere. And then I kind of packaged up our idea and tried to make it into some software that we can sell online as like a kind of a retail trading tool. Okay. Um, it was pretty cool. Some people bought it. It was nice. Um, there's some good experience selling something online. It was fun. Um, but uh, again, I wasn't really getting too much traction there. So that's when I decided to get a job on Wall Street, um, just like making trading systems. So I did that for Working with years. the big guys? Uh, I guess you could say that. I mean, it was a, it was a brokerage and they were uh, doing like swaps trades and things like that. And uh, it's a very kind of a complex trades that they were doing. So they had complex systems for recording these trades and reporting them to the government, reporting them to their counterparties and keeping track of everything. It was kind of a pretty big operation. So I was like thrust into the middle of that and I got a lot of interesting experience there. And um, yeah, basically I decided to, to quit that after a few years and go back into making my own thing. And then it was at that time that we started on one idea and then it was while we were working on that first idea that we pivoted to working on croissant because we had the need for croissant. Nice. So that's kind of like a professional history in a nutshell. I like it. 
Working for yourself versus working for the companies. What are your likes? What are your dislikes? So for myself, I mean, I, I like the feeling of being in control of my destiny. And, um, you know, if I don't like something, I'll change it. Or if I want to do something, I'll just do it. Uh, for the most part, I mean, I do have, have uh, business partners that, I mean, I, I can't just be a dictator and do whatever I want. But like, there's much more. You know, I, I have much more of a say, obviously, in my own thing creatively and, and whatnot. And that's like a pretty good feeling. That's that's like something that's hard to achieve for a lot of people. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I mean, the downside is, you know, lack of consistent uh, paycheck. You know, that's something yeah. I kind of missed from from the previous Wall Street job. That was a, that was a pretty good paycheck. But, uh, you know, we've been able to, to make this work with this company and it's we're making enough money to live off it so that's for sure good if i wasn't making enough money to live off this company then i would probably wouldn't be doing it you know because i how would i live you know i would need to make money somehow right to live um so yeah as actually there was a time you know like right before we pivoted to this company where i was you know i wasn't sure if i was going to get another job or, or whatnot but we pivoted we started working on this we started getting traction we started you know generating revenue and that kind of you know helped me to stick it out the fact that we were making money early on you know do you feel like money almost motivated you to continue working on the new idea of croissant i mean yeah it played a, a part because or at least to work on it full-time you know to work full-time on something there has to be i think a money element otherwise it's going to be tough to to live you know do you, unless you get like funding or something right yeah do you feel like money overpowers your happiness um, I mean, I think my happiness is like irregardless of money. Um, that doesn't mean I'm like not trying to work to, to generate revenue and whatnot, but, uh, I feel like whether I'm, whether I'm poor or I'm rich, I'm like, it's, it doesn't, it's not correlated with my happiness. I think, uh, I was happy in my job. I'm happy now. I'm actually much poorer now, like uh, on paper, like in terms of how much cash I have, I'm right. much poorer now than I was in my previous job. Um, but I, I'm, I'm way more happy now because I, I have much more creative freedom um, I mean, that could change as well. Like if our, our business takes off and does really well, then, you know, potentially I could make a lot more money, which is also kind of cool to think about. It's kind of exciting. So, um, yeah, that, that's, I don't think it's correlated. Are you excited and motivated in terms of like where croissant is heading? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think in, even though we've been working on it now for three years, I think we've barely scratched the surface. I mean, we've only had a few thousand uh, I mean, some people say that's a lot of people. We've had a few thousand people use us. Um, so that's like really awesome. But at the same time, you know, I think there's a million people out there that could use us. So like we still have a long way to go. Like I, I want to grow from, you know, several thousand people to a million people to even more. Um, that would be really, you know, interesting to, to get to that level, I think, uh, and to, to hit that. Yeah. I think that would be pretty cool. So you're basically working towards like hitting a certain number or is it like, is it hitting a certain number or just going above and beyond to like taking this company company to the next level? Uh, well, I, I don't think of it in terms of number or like the taking it to a certain level. I just see it as I'm doing something that's cool and I'm, I'm capturing a shift that's happening in society where people like, you know, they're freelancing more, they're starting businesses more, um, or even if they're, you know, working in a corporate job, they're not in the office as much, you know, so all those trends are happening. And I'm working on something really cutting edge that's capturing those trends. 
Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. I look at it like, are we capturing this remote work trend? And that's kind of exciting to be catching this trend as it's happening and um, creating a product that's growing along with that trend. Um, so that's kind of what I keep an eye out for. That's like my rule of thumb. Like, are we capturing this trend well? Are we doing a good job servicing these customers and, and meeting their needs and all that stuff? So that I'm constantly looking at that more so than the number of users. Because uh, my theory is like, as long as we're doing a good job, making a good company, uh, talking to customers, making a product that they actually need, then then the revenue, then the user account will come. You know, that'll that'll come along with creating something of value. So that that's kind of I focus on the value first. And I think that's very important. And I'm happy that you guys are like really focusing, focusing in on the value of your company versus just looking at numbers. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a nice feeling to to make something that people love using. I think it's like very cool that you're focusing more on values versus the numbers. Is there anyone out there that that you kind of like get inspiration from to have this way of thinking or is it just a Dave way of thinking? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I think it's it's common. I mean, I've been on in the startup scene for a long time. I mean, for several years now, which feels like a long time. Um, and, you know, meeting a lot of other founders and mentors and speakers in the space, like everyone is kind of the same way. I mean, everyone always says like, yeah, you can't just be in it for money. You have to be passionate about solving the problem. And that, that's pretty common, like startup advice. And uh, I think it's true. I think you just got to be like super passionate about what you're doing because, yeah, it can get like tedious and difficult. Um, it's like hard. It's like hard every day. Every day is hard. Um, so you kind of just have to like doing it regardless of how hard it is. And uh, being around other founders kind of reinforces that ideal because um, you see other founders doing it that way. Like everyone operates that way. You like you know. So yeah, it just kind of rubs off on you, and that's you that's being around other other people in the tech scene like kind of that's how you operate so. for, for sure so i think it's very cool that you have a network of founder friends and it's very important i think it is important if if you like something and you're going for it and you're doing it you should surround yourself by other people that are in the same circle that's right definitely that that's also common you know both startup and outside start like any life advice you, you know you want to surround yourself with people who are doing interesting things or trying to elevate themselves as opposed to bringing people down, things like that. So you want to get the right people around you. Um, like there's like, there's like groups, you know, there's like meetups in New York. Um, this, a couple of different groups, like startup leadership program was this one group I joined while I was in San Francisco. And then I switched to the New York chapter. So like that, that's kind of like a peer group. Um, and then, uh, I did an accelerator with the company um, in San Francisco as well called 500 Startups. And that, you know, got me exposed to a lot of other founders doing interesting things. Like it was a very intense, like three month program where, you know, we're all kind of learning different tactics and things together as founders. Um, so that was kind of a tight knit community as well. So yeah, being surrounded by people like that, you know, will motivate you to work hard, you know. For sure. I a hundred percent agree with that. So a little bit before we um, started the podcast, we were actually talking about Grant Cardone because we both like him. That's right. Do you want to share some, drop some Grant Cardone knowledge for us? 
I mean, I don't want to take credit for anything. I, I just like watching his videos on YouTube. I, do too. I mean, I, I, I watch a bunch of YouTubers like uh, Grant Cardone, Ty Lopez, Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, and it's kind of funny too. Like some of the videos that you wouldn't expect would be interesting are the ones I like. Like, for example, I like um, both Ty and Grant both do this where they'll just shoot like a raw video of them training their team. And that's it. They're just like, okay, we're going to do some training now. And you know, like, you just like watch them training their team. So it's, it's interesting to see how these big, um, you know, top business people operate and how they, you know, cause they, they got a team just like you, they're, you know, they're just trying to, to make it work. They just, you know, work really hard and they've been successful. So it's interesting to watch how they operate and how they think, um, in real time and in, in like a raw footage. So that's, that's kind of why I like watching some of their videos. Um, and then what, what other kind of, I'm trying to think what other, uh, Grant Cardone stuff I've seen online. I mean, he's got all sorts of videos he puts out. I mean, he does live streams and things like that, but, um, yeah, he's pretty, yeah. he's pretty great. He's got, he's got a lot of long content. I like his like shorter videos where I could just dive in, like see something interesting and then like, that's it. I, I don't think I, I don't think I, I sit through his longer stuff. But. I just, I just love sitting there and like watching his, um, yeah. sales pitch in his videos on sales. Yeah. Cause I'm partially in that field so i grab a lot of um knowledge from that you watch these guys they're very successful how do you feel by watching them how do you feel they impact your success um i i mean they're like they're kind of like a mentor it's like i mean i don't i don't really have um you know i've i've, I've gotten advice from various people at various times or, or short engagements but I don't really have like an ongoing mentor right now. That's probably something like, I need to like work on. But um, in lieu of that, uh, <laughs> these guys are kind of like pseudo mentors, you know, and just like any other mentor, they're imparting knowledge on you to to skip ahead, you know, and, and not make the same mistakes that a lot of people make without mentors. You know, that's what a mentor does. They right. they help you move faster towards what you're trying to do. Instead of like taking 10 years to figure something out, you'll take like six months to a year because you skip, you know, having to learn it all yourself. Um, so whether through books or videos, you know, they, they say that's that's another way to, to get mentorship. What was the question? I well, I was gonna say how did how how is watching their videos impacting your success? So I'm trying to think of an example. Like yeah, like I said, like watching their training, how they talk to their team has impacted how I talk to my team or um, how they they decide what to sell, when to sell, when to do a launch has also impacted some of my decisions, like, um, like how much I work on something before I launch it, or just like how I try to market the launch of it and how I announce it. Um, I kind of, I probably have done things that I've seen that they did. And, uh, I don't really think about it actively when I'm doing it, but I just try to like take it all in when I watch their stuff. Cause you never know something, yeah, like I, I might watch hours or like 10 or 100 hours of their stuff and like maybe only one little phrase in there like or one little idea was something that I go with and the other stuff, you know, I let fall through. That That's why it's very important that you pick um, who you watch or who you learn from because even the very top people, most of it's going to be, you're probably not going to like do much with it. Um, but uh, it's, it's very hard to get the right advice from the right people. In fact, one thing that Ty Lopez says sometimes is, you really only need like a, a handful of mentors. You don't need like to learn from like a lot of people. Just kind of like pick a couple people that you like and trust and just learn from them everything you can and, and dive as deep as possible. 
and you'll get more out of it than that. I mean, I don't, I can't like speak for that if that's like true or not, but right. uh, I've kind of like rolled with that methodology and uh, seems to be working so far pretty good. So, I think it's good. He gives good advice. Yeah, so I think it's really cool that you listen to these guys. How would you say that your definition of success differs from other people's definition of success? Because I think one thing is, and we actually touched on this in our last podcast also, but I'm just curious, like, what is your definition of success? Um, uh... I don't know. I don't really think about that too much, that, that, that whole topic. Um, I don't think of it in terms of success. But if I were to do it, now that you make me think about it, I would probably say it's doing what you want to do when you want to do it. That's like success for me. I don't know if it's like that for other people. Um, I mean, yeah, everyone has their own definition of success. Like that's what, you know, these guys say. Like um, they're not going to tell you what success is. It's up to you to define it and then go for it. So that's that's definitely the case, I would say. I like that. I actually really like that definition. I want to put you in a scenario where you have this young person who has just graduated with a computer science degree, and they come to you, Dave Idell. I need some advice on how I could start my startup or how I could create this app. What would you say to them? Go. Um... Uh, I'd, I'd probably be interested to hear the idea and give my thoughts on it. I mean, it's, it's dependent on so many different things. Like, is it verifiable? Like, can you verify the idea quickly to see if it's going to work? Can you get traction on it to verify it? Um, Almost not, like an you know, elevator pitch, kind of? No, or? no, like, can you get paying customers? Right. Like, can you sell this? Can you quickly make something and sell it? Um, that's, like, what, you know... Not only investors, but like in general, like when you want to invest your time, your own time into something, like you want to make sure you're spending your time on something that's worth your time. I kind of made that mistake in the startup idea that we were working on before Croissant. I just spent six months building something without verifying it. Um, I guess you could, it's debatable whether or not it ended up being a waste because I was able to pivot that, you know, that same code base and kind of repurpose a lot of stuff and, and take a lot of learnings from that and use it towards the new thing. Uh, so it's kind of debatable if that experience was worth it or not. But uh, I think most people would agree to say that, you know, if you have a startup idea, try to verify quickly, you know, uh, pick something that you're passionate about that you can work on for a long time, even when it's difficult. And um, I don't know. I'm really not the best person to give advice for that kind of stuff, I feel I, like. I think yeah. that's good advice, though. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, how would you go about verifying an idea, though? Because that's, like, a concept that I'm not 100% sure of. For yeah, I, I don't even know. Like, like, I mean, there's so many things you could be doing. Like, you could be building a, a rocket for, for SpaceX, or you could just be making, like, the next, like... Uh, room like find a roommate app or something like that there's so many wide-ranging things with especially with a comp sci degree i mean you don't need a comp sci degree by the way i mean you can you know have any background and, and get into this stuff but if you're the one who's in a position where you could build something i mean that, that's kind of a special position in some ways so i mean you could use that to your advantage to try out an idea um whether it's a prototype that you just do it in an elevator pitch and you just show it to people or you actually quickly make 
you know, a minimum viable product and get it in front of customers. Maybe you put some money behind it with like a Facebook ad or something to see if you can get some traction that way. Um, so yeah, I think a, a quick ad is one way to get traction, but I don't know, I'm not like a business like savant right. or anything. Like there's, there's a lot of people out there that can give this kind of advice much better than me. And I'll, I'll probably actually refer them to like find someone who, who's good at giving advice. Like I'm just like, I'm a doer. I'm not like a talker or an advice giver. Like I'm just doing my thing and like learning as much as I can. Uh, but no, I mean, now that you mentioned that, maybe, maybe I should get better at this stuff, like get better at. Um, like for example, Ty Lopez talks about the law of 33% where you should have people above you, people on your level and people like kind of below you or like vying to get where you're at. Um, and I think I've done pretty good at the first two where I have people I look up to and I learn from people in my peer group that I can go to for advice and stuff like that. Um, but I don't really do a whole lot of the bottom 33%. So that's probably like one area that I'm lacking. Yeah. It's like Um, something new to work on because I feel like there are a lot of people out there who um people who will listen to this podcast you could be like you know what i did learn something from this podcast from dave and if you could ever share more or do more to um help others i feel like it's always great to help yeah help out in whatever way you can and sometimes i think the way like you might think you're helping someone and it's no help at all and sometimes when you least expect it you're doing the world for them and you look at it it's like oh it's no big deal and they're like oh my god no thank you so much yeah 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 i I don't know i i guess uh maybe i have helped people i I have no idea (laughs) yeah it's like it's (laughs) so crazy i do a lot i would say it's something so crazy as holding the door for someone you have like people who are just like so grateful that like you helped the door for them. And it's like, no, it's no big deal. Like common courtesy or whatever it is. Right. But you never know when you're actually helping someone. It's true. Did that make sense? It makes sense. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was like questioning <laughs> it. I was just like, oh, I'm not sure. All right, cool. Dave, so I kind of want to go back to, um, well, I mean, we've been talking about it. You're a programmer. Is there a difference between programmers and developers, or is it all the same? Uh, yeah, I, I still to this day don't know the difference. It's all, I mean, who cares, you know? Okay, so it wasn't just me. Yeah, yeah. But I do know that programming in general, it's a very competitive field. What do you do to stay on top? Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really had a full-time programming job for like four years now. So, I mean, I do a lot of programming for the startup, you know, for the company. Um, but it's not, uh, I'm not really in a position where I could spend all of my time programming and learning and growing in that and focusing on that field. But yeah, that being said, I, even though I am passionate about the business, I'm also passionate about just like programming in general. So I do try to stay on top of trends and, you know, read up on things. Like one thing, for example, is occasionally um, I'll go to a hackathon. So the hackathon kind of forces you to sit down in a seat for 24 hours and try something new. I mean, you don't have to try something new, but like you should. Right, it that kind of forces you yeah, to like yeah. get your brain thinking, like come up with a new yeah. idea. Like for example, like like a year and a half ago, we went to this hackathon um, while I was out in San Francisco and they had these robots there. So like I spent the night basically learning how to program a robot to have it like wave its arms and like roll around and stuff like that. I just never really done that before. So, I mean, that was a really good, um, interesting experience, and 
I had some good takeaways from that that I'll, you know, stuff like that, I think, is one way to, to stay sharp. That, um, that yeah. was a pretty cool um, project, though, that you guys worked on oh, was the it. robot. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. um, well, I'll let you tell me a little bit about it. What did you guys program the yeah, robot we, we just, to do? We, we just sat there all night. And so when, when we arrived at the hackathon, I didn't know I was going to do robot stuff. I just got there. And we were one of the first people in and actually, no, that's not true. I did know uh, because when I signed up, I was one of the first people to sign up for the hackathon. So I kind of got first dibs on this offer by one of the sponsors, um, SoftBank. They're like a big conglomerate based out of China or something. And one of their companies is like a robotics company. And uh, they're one of the sponsors. So they're like, hey, first 20 people, first come, first serve can reserve a robot to play with during the hackathon. And I was just like, oh, this is cool. Like, I can play with robots. I've never really programmed a robot before. Um, so I reserved one. And when I got there, I, I nabbed it right away. And uh, I dived right in. And, you know, I wasn't sure what to do. So this robot, it's called um, Pepper. Pepper. And if you Google, <laughs> like, SoftBank Pepper, you'll see it's, like, this, like, friendly-looking. It's kind of creepy in some ways. It's, like, a, a white uh, robot with arms. And, like, it rolls around kind of, like... Like uh, from from the Jetsons, <laughs> uh, friendly, creepy from, robot. Yeah, and it's it yeah it doesn't have legs, but it just has like a rolly thing. It it has arms. It has a screen on its chest, so it's like it has so you could do things with the screen. You can um, you can program it. You can basically make like a web page for that screen, and that's what we did. We had uh, Nisha. She was there, my girlfriend, and she um, made these buttons where. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was, it was a while ago. So we had these buttons on the screen where let's say you're at a clothing store and you pick up a piece of clothing. We kind of faked it. Like we kind of simulated what it would be like if you held the shirt up in front of the robot and the robot would take a picture of the shirt and then it would tell you, you know, it's kind of like scanning a barcode like, oh, that, right. that's $19 or something like that. I mean, we obviously didn't make that matching algorithm work during the hackathon, but we made the framework for it. We had it take a picture. We had it show the item. And then we kind of faked it where it would determine the price. You know, we, we kind of had to determine the price. And then we had some buttons on the on the robot that you can tap on a button to, to check out with your credit card. Um, so we, we kind of got like a simple, basic um, clothing shopping experience with a friendly robot kind of helping you through the process like oh that, that's this thing now you can check out here by pressing my screen it would like talk to you that's kind of like a chat bot in real life almost right it's pretty so, cool yeah that was kind of a random thing that was yeah we were working on where is pepper the robot now uh so unfortunately we couldn't keep pepper i mean he's a multi-thousand dollar unit um so yeah they took them all back and it's actually interesting the company contacted us afterwards to potentially do like a some sort of publicity uh, thing about the project. Um, so we went to their offices and they had like a hundred of these things just like stacked up in their offices. <laughs> it's kind of freaky looking. Uh, but we met with their like CMO or something. And then, um, you know, we kind of interviewed with them. But it ended up not turning into anything. I thought it would be pretty cool to get on like CNN or something about the project. But yeah, you never know. Hackathons can be kind of crazy. I mean, Croissant started at a hackathon. Like it was just a crazy idea we had and we, we started it there and, so yeah, not only do you keep your, your skills sharp by going to these things, but you also, you never know what might happen, who you might meet as well. Like you can go by yourself, network. it's a networking event. You know, you, you find the right people to work with them 
and uh, you know you're forced to to sit down and learn something new alongside other people. I think a great way to to figure out if you like working someone with someone is to like try to do a test run, right? Right. So it's like a test run of working with people that you you just met. So as opposed to regular networking where you don't even know the person, you know, now you're sitting down next to them for 24 hours or 10 hours or whatever. It's like you got to get to know this person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're forced to, to learn if you like them or not. So it's an interesting way to, to do things. Very interesting. Yeah. So do you think, and this might be a little off topic, do you think robots are going to take over the world? No, that, that's that's a relevant question. I mean, like I'm in the tech world. I think about these things. Um, you know, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I've seen people like Elon Musk have commentary on this, and he says that we should start to make laws now around AI because AI could potentially threaten humanity. That's what he seriously believes. Uh, so, do you agree with that? <laughs> do you think uh, so? I don't know. I don't really. I guess technically he's right. Technically, like it could be something. Like I can't prove him wrong. I can't say nope. The AI will definitely not be a threat to humanity. Like I can't. I don't think anyone could make that statement. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of a crazy world out there. You don't know what kind of technology is going to come out next. Like the internet was big. Then now blockchain is big. Then like. I mean, AI has been also like growing quickly, like um, the power of AI. Um, but pe- people debate about how powerful AI is. Like right now, it's basically just glorified machine learning. Right. Um, it's not actually AI, but it's, I don't know, it's debatable. Like some people will say we are already at the stage where AI is AI and um, it, it could potentially be a threat. I don't know. Um, and in terms of robots taking over and decimating the human race, um, it's it's certainly possible. I just don't see it. I, w- I would imagine that we would like prevent it before that happened. But yeah, like I guess fight back you, or like... I, I, I don't know. I bet I guess technically, technically no. Like technically, like if AI was AI and we actually did invent real AI, then it could outsmart us and and take us over that way. Because then we wouldn't be able to fight back if it knew all of our weaknesses and understood us right. better. So yeah, as of right now, I, I don't know the answer, but. Um, I wouldn't write it off completely, that that notion that they could take over. I feel like it's such a scary concept to think of. Ah, watch out, world. Robots are coming. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. All right, Dave. I think this was pretty good, pretty productive. I feel like you're constantly working. You're constantly doing things. How do you stay productive? How like what keeps you going? What fuels you? Um, well, I mean, I'm doing something that's of my own design and I'm passionate about it. So and I generally have I've always had like a very strong like work ethic in my entire life, I would say. So it kind of is like a perfect storm of like, you know, me wanting to work hard on something and, and do well at it and also the opportunity to do all those things. And it's a mixture of those that have given me this opportunity to work hard and potentially be a success. So um, and I'm super blessed every day that I have this opportunity. So that that fuels me to work super hard. Do you have like a good balance with your work life and your personal life? Because I think that's a struggle for a lot of people also, especially working as hard as you work. Yeah, I mean, I I have a definite um, issue with that, I would say. Like, my personal life is almost non-existent right now. Um, It's, yeah, it's very focused on the company. And, and, you know, I just never had the opportunity in my life to, like, go all out and go as hard as I possibly can. And I'm just kind of curious how far I can go with something. 
because um, I, I feel like it's so rare that you get the opportunity in life to go as hard as you possibly can and have that potential upside. So I have that opportunity now in front of me. Um, I'm still at an age where I can do something like that. I don't have too many commitments uh, family-wise or whatnot or, or else or debt or anything like that. So I'm just at that point where I could just see how far I can push myself. And I'm just curious like to, to try it. And that's what I'm doing the past few years. I've, I'm like, how hard? How far can I go? You know, it, it's like, it's kind of like self learning, like how, like learning yourself, like what you're capable of. And I feel like not everyone gets that opportunity. So I see it as an opportunity to learn about myself also and see how far I can go. So that's also something that propels me. I think that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And I feel like that's a good end note. Like, it there. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show, Dave. Pleasure. Alrighty. Thank you for listening on Tea Time with Tea. We will see you on the next podcast. Thank you. Catch you on the flip side. Yeah.